Deep in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories It is Friday, December 15th, 2023 and we have an entire lineup today of true crime Freaky Friday stories. We've been getting several of the in this genre, so enough so to do a whole lineup. We've gotten a lot of recent submissions of a lot of true crime. So since next week, we're going to have some special guests, and they're going to be more holiday-themed stories. We decided to give everyone their true crime fix in this episode, just all six. So... Just going to let everyone know up top, these are all true crime submissions. They include mentions of violent crime, murder, parasite, and sexual assault. So just a blanket content warning because they're all pretty rough stories. I, I, We haven't had some of this caliber in a while, so buckle up something to you know keep in mind on the other side of things like there's the as much as we have happy a funny alien stories there are people who have different experiences and we love uh, to share anyone's story of of what you've experienced so mm-hmm. thank you to everybody for your uh taking the time to write these in absolutely yes um and and share all these because like we say there's a lot of power in storytelling and i think that is the case with all of these as well well i'm christy and i'm heather and let's get freaky. This first one is from Sophie, and it is called, My Family's Massage Therapist Was a Murderer. Hi, guys. I just want to start by saying I'm a big fan of the podcast and love listening to you. My cousin was actually the one who put me onto your podcast in the first place, so I have to thank her for that. I've been meaning to submit this story for a while now, since I listened to your Freaky Friday episodes religiously, but I'm finally getting around to it. Here's my crazy but true story. The subject line is probably enough for you to infer what the story is about. For a little background, my family had been going to this massage therapist for years. She was local to our area and they knew her through mutuals. And when I say my family, I mean my whole family. This woman had given my mom, dad, older sister, aunt, grandmother, and family friends countless massages. I never personally received one for her because at the time when this happened, I believe I was around 15. She had even gifted my mom these cute little mushroom statues for outdoor decor that used to live in our front yard. It had been some time since anyone in my family had gotten a massage from her when this happened, maybe a year or so. The woman, Dana, definitely always seemed to be a little bit quirky and perhaps a little weird at times. But as a holistic massage therapist who gifts you mushrooms, that comes with the territory. The point being that no one ever expected her to become a murderer. One evening after eating dinner, my mom and I were sitting on the couch after cleaning up the kitchen. We typically always had the news on while doing the dishes, or what have you, to listen for the weather forecast. Then all of a sudden, a picture of a very familiar face appeared on the screen, saying, 
woman charged with killing dad and entombing him in concrete inside home. My mom's jaw hit the floor as she quickly paused the TV and started yelling for my dad to come back downstairs. They could not believe what they were seeing. And sure enough, there it was, Dana Jennings, our old massage therapist. We were all shocked to say the least as I immediately jumped on my phone and started Googling and my mom called our family friends who also used her as their masseuse to tell them to turn on the news right the fuck now. Yep, that's right. Our massage therapist murdered her own father by poisoning his hamburger and entombing him in concrete to hide his body in the crawl space of her own house. Needless to say, my mom got rid of those mushrooms from her as soon as she found out. She said they had some real bad vibes, which I fully agree with. So you'll be glad to know we no longer have decor from a murderer outside our home. You hear about people doing crazy things like this all the time, but never think it will happen to you or someone you know, let alone someone whose house you've been in or who knows your family fairly well. It's still hard for me to believe that actually happens sometimes. I'll leave a link below of a couple news articles that contain a lot more of the details. Thanks for sharing my story, hopefully. Wishing you guys a happy holidays. Love you and keep it creepy. Well, she was convicted, but yeah, the sentence has been overturned by the Colorado Supreme Court, so she'll now face a second trial. Oh, what and what were the grounds for the overturning? Well, the poison that she used in the hamburger was an animal tranquilizer and... A turn, uh, law enforcement, whenever they f- initially searched the house and they obtained a search warrant also for the data on her cell phone, they searched her cell phone and found the Google search results, you know, like she had searched the web for this specific type of poison. But there's a very particular requirement of what exactly a search warrant has to include on it for it to be valid. And the Court of Appeals agreed with her attorneys that the initial search warrant obtained was not sufficiently particular, which is a requirement under the Constitution that they have to state with particularity what they're going to search. So they can't just say, we're going to totally search your phone. So the warrant apparently should have been stated more particularly what they were searching for specifically on the phone before they could actually just go and search the whole thing. So it's uh, an evolving area of Fourth Amendment jurisprudence just because that wasn't contemplated when the your your papers and effects are covered by the Fourth Amendment. Your phone really isn't. And is your phone more like papers on your desk or is it more like your diary or more, you know, it's hmm. different, different things. So that's Colorado. That's the, uh, the state of the law there. So she was convicted, but since appealed and now is still in prison, but awaiting a second trial. That's what it appears is she will be retried. The Court of Appeals decision came out in April of 2023 and that she'll face a new trial and the new uh, at the new trial different pieces of evidence can be brought in or they could try to bring the cell phone evidence in maybe under a different i don't know enough facts about the case to know but maybe try to bring it in under some something else besides the search warrant which has now been held to be uh, insufficient so if you have that you can't it's really horrible when you have a search warrant that gets kicked because you have you know like you know yeah. she was searching for the exact poison that killed him but you might not be able to use those search results. So then the question can be, with the admissible evidence, can you now reconvict this person if wow. you can't prove that she was searching for the exact poison? 
But you can prove he was entombed in the crawl space in her house, which is yeah. pretty damning. Yes, and that she, I believe she admitted to have poured, pouring concrete in there. So I think there, there hopefully will be sufficient evidence that she won't get out because that's so eerie, the person that put their hands on you that you're intimately familiar with to know that they're capable of doing that to their own family. Yeah, their own dad. It's, it is, every time I read stories like this, I think, and I freak myself out because I start thinking, we don't know anybody. Anybody could be anybody. How do I know? Like the person that I, you know, interact with in a situation like this, I've gone to massage therapists or nail techs or, you know, those, I interact with people like that all the time. Do I really know them? You know, mm-hmm. and those, those hour long conversations you have with someone every couple weeks where you're like, oh yeah, what a nice person. My nail tech's fabulous. She <laughs> I would don't never. want to I'm not saying she's <laughs> or any, yeah, you know, but you just never know. Yeah. Like, and so it is very dental shocking. hygienist. You know, somebody that you're like every yeah. six months. I go to the same gal. I love her. She's so great. But I don't I, literally, except for that limited purpose interaction. Mm-hmm. You really don't know anybody. But no. oh man, that is uh, that's something horrifying to think as well that. On a technicality, maybe she yeah. will. Uh, I, I doubt it. It seemed like that that's not the only single piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. But hopefully then law enforcement looks and goes, okay, we need to be really tight with our search warrants because we don't want stuff like this to fall through the cracks. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. And we're glad your mom got rid of those mushrooms. That's a good yeah. call for sure. That's just a, a constant reminder that you don't need and definitely bad vibes. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one's from Choi, and it is called The Murderer Next Door. Hi, ladies. Love you and love the pod. In May of 2011, I was nine months pregnant and eagerly awaiting the arrival of my daughter. As anyone who has been pregnant before knows, there's not a lot of sleeping going on when you're that pregnant. So my husband and I were up late watching TV when we heard a bang, bang, bang on the front door. Thoroughly freaked out, we cautiously answered the door. Because why is someone banging on the door at 11.30 p.m. on a weekday? Standing on our porch were two major crime squad detectives. After they introduced themselves, they proceeded to ask me questions about my next-door neighbor. They asked me about her car and when was the last time I had seen it and seen her. I answered to the best of my memory, but honestly, I didn't have many helpful answers. I was so confused as to what was going on because I knew this neighbor. Well, at least I thought I did. After we closed the door, I turned to my husband and said, I bet her husband killed her. We had only laid eyes on the husband once or twice, which I thought was weird. This was the first neighbor we had in a while that had actually talked to me when I said hi. and was so, so nice. Latasha Cunningham was married and had a grown child and one in high school. She also had three littles that she was fostering because one of her relatives wasn't able to take care of them. And they were darling. They would always give me a hug when they saw me, and sometimes they would just come over and knock on the door to see what I was doing. I love kids, and so this really warmed my heart, especially because I had been going through 10 years of secondary infertility and was really wanting more kids. So back to May of 2011, my husband and I were curious to know what was going on, so we kept searching the web for any stories or police reports on what had happened. I went into labor on May 22nd and had my beautiful baby girl on May 23rd. While we were in the hospital, my husband was scrolling the news when he came across the article about what had happened with our neighbor. Brace yourself. 
Turns out my neighbor wasn't the one that was dead. She was the killer. Latasha and her niece's boyfriend, Demarcus Barnes, and his cousin, Daquan Barnes, attended a bingo night in a nearby city. A sweet little 85-year-old lady, Yoko Cullen, had won the jackpot that night. And when I say jackpot, I'm talking like $280 to $300. I can't remember the exact number. Latasha and her accomplices, in Latasha's car, followed Yoko as she pulled out of the parking, hence the detectives asking me about her car. They flashed their lights at Yoko until she pulled over. The three approached the car, where Latasha reached inside and grabbed Yoko's purse and keys. Latasha then told the boys they were going to have to kill Yoko because she had, quote, seen her license plate. I seriously doubt that as it was dark, but anyways... The three then forced this poor, sweet lady into the trunk of her own car and drove the car to a site in East St. Louis. The three then proceeded to beat Yoko with a tire iron in an attempt to get the PIN number for her debit card. When she wouldn't give it to them, they shut her in the trunk and set the car on fire. I was absolutely horrified. There was no way this was the same lady that lived next door. But wait, it gets worse. This wasn't the first time she had done this. When Latasha was 18, she robbed a 60-year-old woman, Ellis Shelton, who had given her a ride. Latasha pulled a gun on her and robbed her of $205 and then shot Ella in the chest. Thankfully, this sweet lady survived and was able to identify Latasha. Latasha was sentenced to 18 years in prison and was released after she served nine of those 18 years. Needless to say, Latasha is now in prison. She was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to 60 years in prison with no possibility of early release. She will be eligible for release in 2071. Daquan accepted a plea deal and was also sentenced to 60 years in prison. He is not eligible for parole and will be eligible for release in 2071. Demarcus was found unfit to stand trial and sent to a psychiatric facility. He was to be there until he was fit to stand trial or five years, whichever came first. In 2018, after his five years were up, he was still found unfit to stand trial and was sentenced to stay in a secure mental health facility for 80 years or until he is deemed fit to stand trial. This is heartbreaking as he probably had no idea what the severe consequences of this outing would be. I know you all don't like the bummer stories, but this was so wild that I had to share. It just reiterates the fact that you truly don't really know anyone and what they're capable of. Every time I look at the house next door, I think about her and wonder what happened to those sweet babies she had through foster care. I also wonder if she would send the kids over to case our house. I wonder if she would have suspected we had cash or valuables in the house, if we could have even been one of her victims. In another crazy twist to the story, Yoko lived in the neighborhood right next to mine, and they put up a banner in her honor. So I think of her often. I'm grateful for the swift action of our local and state police in arresting these horrible people before they could hurt some other unsuspecting old lady. Thanks for reading and thanks for all the laughs you provide me daily. I put a link to the story below. Stay amazing and vet your neighbors, even if they are nice. It's shocking that the woman had a prior conviction and ended up with foster kids in the house. That's... Yeah, and getting out after... Serving only half of her sentence for whatever reason, good behavior or something, but clearly that time in prison did not reform her or she would not have gone on to commit 
such a heinous crime. I mean, every part of this just makes me sick to my stomach. It's one of those, yeah, where I, one of the stories I found on this, it said that they ended up splitting $130 in her yeah. wallet. And it's just, you know, it just is heart, break, breaks your heart that it's something so ridiculous. Not that any amount of money would ever be, but it's it's just so very paltry and so sad yeah. and so violent. And we talked- To take a, a life over <laughs> less than 300 bucks is- bananas i mean it's it's you know or to, and to shoot a woman for two hundred dollars i mean to some people that like you said that might be a lot of money but no amount of money is worth a it lot of money but, yeah but really like i mean that amount of money like and to go the links to which they did i mean they yeah. really it's it's some of the you know more heinous ways you could kill somebody an yeah, 85 just, year old woman at that Maybe it's having worked with older adults, but it it hits me harder even when it is an older adult who, mm -hmm. you know, you want to maintain as much independence as you want to for as long as you can and to be able to go out and play bingo and have, you know, it's the same freedoms that we all want to be afforded, you know, of, of being able to go out and having your a target on your back because you're older or whatever, or in this case, just because you happen to have won a bingo, something that would normally be so something to celebrate. But yeah. we, we talked a little bit about the uh, difference in pleading in guilty, not guilty by reason of insanity versus being incompetent to stand trial in episode 55 with the murder of Dave Stevens, the White Rock machete murder, mm -hmm. because that was a similar situation where the person, the perpetrator in that case was m maybe cognizant of what they were doing at the time of the, tr the event. But then when it came time to go on trial, was not able to aid in their own defense, was not aware of the facts and why they were being charged. So I wasn't, I mean, most most of the time, those things are kept pretty confidential. So I didn't find easily, you know, what this person was suffering from. But that's why we have those laws in place where it's, you know, you come up every year for uh, reevaluation. And if you're deemed to still be uh, a, a danger to society and unfit to stand trial. So even if he were to get better in that facility, he still has to go on trial mm -hmm. for this. And then I, I would imagine likely would receive a similar sentence to the other two because, there's just no excuse for all no, for that. Yeah. And all three are complicit in this. It's uh it's awful. And like you said, how was she allowed to have young children in the house that in I hope, like Joy said that those kiddos are okay. Where were you I think like who were they with when this was yeah. going on? You know, I mean, just my mind goes to places like that. And then yeah, you're capable of something like that for a hundred bucks at the end of the day. And then you just go home yeah. to your house and, you know, for you, it's just another night and to someone else, they lost their life and to their family, they lost a loved one. Yeah. And that's, you ruined three, you know, four lives that night, killing one. And like we talked about in our episode with uh, the hosts of the hero maker with Andrea and Jen mm -hmm. of these sudden violent acts like this really, ripple out in even more ways than we can even think of of who was affected but as andre and jen you know helped us realize hopefully too on the other side there's some sort of uh positivity but yeah. that's just uh something we tell ourselves i think too well the ripple effect of grief is wide and hopefully the ripple effect of healing can be even wider agreed sinisterhood will be right back well, this next one is from Anonymous, and Anonymous didn't name this, so I took the liberty of naming this Fast Food Fright. 
Hi. In 2014, I lived in southern Indiana and worked at a fast casual corner. Hi. In 2014, I lived in southern Indiana and worked at a fast casual counter service restaurant. I would have been a senior in high school, so around 17 to 18. One day, a middle-aged gentleman approached the takeout area. We'll be with you shortly, I said as I finished an order at the expo counter. A few of the kitchen staff and cashiers started whispering amongst each other, and the energy got weird. Then my shift leader said to me, I can't talk to him. Can you please do it? Annoyed and a little confused, I put it in his order and asked for a name. David, he said shyly. He was perfectly nice, but seemed timid, like he knew that people were staring at him. He headed off to a bench to wait for his food. My coworkers grabbed me into the kitchen and said, That's David Cam. He was just in prison for killing his whole family. If you aren't familiar with this case, David Cam was an Indiana State Trooper who was wrongfully convicted of murdering his wife, Kim, and their children in 2000. He was released in 2013 after being acquitted. The case was a big deal nationally and especially locally. There's tons of coverage if anyone is interested in learning more. I bagged his food up and provided my best customer service and went out of my way to be extra nice to him. I felt sick to my stomach. All I could think about is how he felt. Just picking up lunch and being recognized everywhere you go and being whispered about after spending a decade in prison for something you didn't do. Afterwards, my coworkers continued to tease that I took a murderer's order. Although it's been almost 10 years since this interaction, I still vividly remember seeing the anxiety on his face. It's interesting to see how the community responded to his acquittal. The case was very complicated. The real perp of the crime even named David as a co-conspirator at one point. The police investigation was faulty, as well as some questionable evidence and, quote, experts during the trial. Last I heard, Kim's family isn't convinced of David's innocence and even filed a civil case against him after the 2013 acquittal. I believe David himself now works with the nonprofit organization Investigating Innocence. I hope that all those exonerated and innocent are able to move forward freely in life without unfair judgment and vitriol. I hope that the affected communities are able to heal, and those that had their lives cut short by a senseless crime are able to rest in peace. That's, uh, I briefly looked this case up when they sent this in, and she's saying that there's a lot of, it was a big mix-up, not mix-up, but it was a, a big, edit all this out, sorry. I looked up the case whenever she sent this in, and there was three different trials, and it is a strange situation to have the DNA of the, the what seems like the perpetrator, who is a, a career criminal who had a similar MO named, his last name was Boney, Charles Boney, was DNA at the scene that was not run. And this Mr. Camp sat in prison for a while until they finally didn't run it, and then you do see, okay... This perpetrator's blood was on the victims, the primary victim, his wife's shirt, underpants. Her shoes had been removed. Charles Boney had removed shoes from prior uh, crime scenes. And so when he's confronted with it, he changes his story a few times. And I wonder if it is a case of prosecution going, well, we don't want to admit that we got the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. And so then Boney goes, well, I was there to buy a handgun and he killed his whole family while I was just there. But given the forensic evidence of Boney's DNA having been on the victims, it seemed more like he attacked the family. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but it's hard for somebody, even like Ryan Ferguson, there's photos of uh, Cam with Ryan Ferguson, who we've covered. And mm-hmm. it's tough. Even if you're out, there's still people that have doubts about whether you did it or not, especially after three trials, four trials. Yeah. And if the victim's family also still has their doubts, then yeah. that's not going to bode well for you either. But yeah, that's one of those things that you know, we might not think about often that what does that look like for wrongfully convicted people, even when they are out? A lot of people might not agree with it in a small town. And you either move to where someone doesn't know you at all and hope they don't do a Google search, or you kind of just have to live with those whispers and side eyes. Yeah. And that's, it's unfortunate that, you know, a person who otherwise had a you know reasonable reputation as a state trooper, a family man, and that's the suspect that they pursued versus DNA at the scene. And then when they tracked down Charles Boney, he had 11 prior felony convictions for assaulting women. He took three girls hostage i mean had a at gunpoint so it's it's not a as if oh well you know the handyman who doesn't have a criminal record you know he had touched the sink and that's where we got it i mean when one of the victims has a significant amount of dna evidence on him but it sounded like they used blood print analysis which is not something that gets used a lot it's similar Mm -hmm. to like bite mark evidence where it used to be like this is exactly this tells you exactly what happened and now we have so many more better ways to determine yeah. what happened. But you're right. Like there's, a polygraph. Yeah. And, and there's just – you still have that that reputation even mm-hmm. if you did get exonerated. You're just trying to go buy a hamburger. Yeah. Well, uh, good for you, Anonymous, for – you know, I don't know much about this story. I'm going to go by the court and say he was acquitted so he's not guilty. And if that's the case, I think you made the right move. Like – Treat people with respect, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure he probably doesn't get that a lot after all of that. So, you know, that's nice of you to step up to the plate in that situation. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sending that in. This next one is from M, and the subject line is In Prison with a Murderer. Hello, you beautiful people. I've been listening since 2019, and like everyone else, absolutely love you guys. We're BFFs, just so you know. I had to pause this week's Freaky Friday episode after the story about graduating with the popular funny guy who later killed his wife because I have a very similar story. When I was 20, I worked as a correctional officer with the state prison. My career choices were wild with undiagnosed ADHD in my 20s. I befriended a guy in my training class and later worked with him at the prison. He was quiet, but in a shy, friendly way. No weird vibes. He was seemingly nice with the good sense of humor and a rule follower. He went to my 21st birthday and gave me a gift certificate to the adult store his mom managed. It was funny, though, not creepy. Fast forward four years later. I had long lost touch with Mike and hadn't been in the prison for three years. My friend called and asked if I had heard what had happened. Mike had murdered his mom, and unfortunately, there's so much more. When police responded to a reported stabbing, they found Mike at his mom's house near his mom who had multiple stab wounds. Earlier in the day, he had physically assaulted and raped his wife at their home, bound her with tape and chains, and put her in the trunk of their car. He took their infant, nothing happened to the child, thankfully, and drove to his mom and her friend's house for dinner with his wife still in the trunk during what happened next. After a completely normal dinner, the friend went upstairs 
and Mike proceeded to stab his mom multiple times. Meanwhile, his wife managed to get out of the trunk, still bound, and run to a neighbor's for help. Thankfully, she, the friend, and the baby got out of the situation alive, but his mom passed away at the hospital. He pled guilty to avoid the death penalty and will be eligible for parole after 32 years. It's crazy to think about the year we spent training and working alongside each other and the times we hung out outside of work. It's the old cliche of, it's always the nice ones, and he's the last person I ever would have guessed. There's no information regarding motive, and I can only speculate on mental illness, but I want to end on a very important PSA. If anyone's having a mental health crisis, know you can text 988 to get help working through any confusing or overwhelming thoughts and feelings. And if you're experiencing domestic abuse, you can text START to 88788 to get help even if it's just to talk to someone about what you're going through. Another absolutely unreal, heinous crime. To be able, knowing your wife is in the trunk and what you've done, and then you just sit there and have a a normal dinner. No one suspects anything, and then all hell breaks loose. Even more hell breaks loose. All hell had already broken loose. Yeah, and and driving around with your infant daughter and the – with – what you've done to her mother. I'm glad that at least the baby was unharmed and that mm-hmm. at least his wife was able to to save herself. It's very upsetting though, that uh, apropos of nothing, you know, you're just having dinner and something like that strikes, but it sounds like uh, he's hopefully will not get out on parole uh, for 32 years. That's a pretty long time, but it seems like that is a, a significant series of violent acts that will require a, a long a long prison stay to address. Yes, I think even if you're eligible for parole, I don't know about getting out after something like that. Yeah, especially if the people who you've you were, you know, very violent towards and survived are still around saying uh, mm-hmm. we don't, you know, it's an ongoing danger, we don't feel safe. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you, M, for sending that in. This next one is from Denise, and the subject line is the second murder in the history of my hometown. I grew up in Warren, Rhode Island. It's the smallest town in the smallest county in the smallest state. The population from 1970 to today fluctuates between 10 and 11,000. We're sandwiched between Barrington and Bristol. We're the quirky artsy sibling. Growing up, I always heard that there was only one murder in the history of the town. Since Warren was settled in the 1600s, I'm thinking it's not a completely accurate fact, but I can't seem to find any others that were recorded. The one homicide was the murder of Mr. Jamiel in 1978. It's still unsolved to this day. And this all changed in the summer of 2008. James Sr. and Marion Soares were reported missing by their family. They missed a family reunion, and a search for them commenced. The police later said James Jr. was a suspect from the beginning. He battled drug addiction, and although he often stole money and items from his parents, they allowed him to continue to live with them. At the time of the murders, James's girlfriend, Nicole Pacheco, was also living there. James Sr. and Marion were found a couple of weeks after their murders in the septic tank of their home. They had been bludgeoned to death by James Jr. with a garden hoe. The hoe was found under James Sr.'s body in the septic tank. After James murdered his parents, he and his girlfriend went on a spending spree with money and credit cards stolen from his parents. 
They bought a big screen TV, a Nintendo, a PlayStation, and probably drugs. They invited their friends over for mudslides and calzones for a get-together that took place in the backyard while the body of his parents lay under their feet in the septic tank. When questioned by police as to the whereabouts of his parents, James Jr. initially gave multiple stories. He said they were on a motorcycle trip. He said his father met a woman on the internet and that his mother was somewhere in Massachusetts. He said his father killed his mother and took off with her body. James Jr. pleaded guilty to the murders and was sentenced to two concurrent life terms and will not be eligible for parole for 40 years. His girlfriend was sentenced to five years after pleading guilty to 64 financial crimes. Well, first, I just want to say how fascinating it is to be from the smallest town in the smallest county in the smallest state. That's a very interesting just way of of life that, I mean, 10 to 11,000. I don't know. I don't know at what point everybody stops knowing your business. But, you know, I mean, in Larimer, 12 people, obviously, 11,000. But I bet, you know, things get around pretty quickly. Well, last night we were watching that the the prisons in Greenland where they said there was 56,000 people. And they mm-hmm. kind of said, you actually really do know a lot of people. And that's only 56,000. So cut mm-hmm. that down by, you know, a fifth-ish. It's, it's a pretty small world. And this, I mean, this case, even though it's from the smallest town in the smallest county in the smallest state, was on AP News. I mean, it's been – it was covered nationwide. And to have that level of – just disregard of uh, a neighbor in a, cause you, you get to sort of know your, your neighbors and who's around, but the police at the, it looked like at the press conference were steadfast. There was, you know, no other suspects. It was absolutely them, especially again, sort of like with Yoko Collins murder. It's something. So, you know, a PlayStation, a a whole human life over a PlayStation. It really does. And your parents' lives. Yeah. Not just anybody, especially to that, that it's definitely something to, Rock a very small, tight-knit community, especially where you don't see anything like this for, for decades at a time. Yeah, yeah. It To your point, the disregard is a really good way to put it. If you're able to have your friends over for a calzone party, fully knowing what you've done, and that your parents' bodies are buried underneath where you're standing, the just mental separation you got to have to be able to do that. I don't know if drugs were involved, mental illness, something, but it's, um, it's, it's heinous. I, I parasite or any type of familial murder is always something that really gets me. Yeah, definitely. And and it's sad to hear too, that he, not that it ever excuses it, but struggled with addiction and clearly had no, uh, you know, if he was still struggling and they sort of did the best that they could, but not having an, ex, uh, an extended network of support to, to kick something like that, that, you know, if it, at all that contributes, whether to the mental state at the time or the willingness to, you know, just need money to feed that habit uh, and not having extended, you know, that type of support is really sad to see too. I'm very surprised his girlfriend only got five years. I mean, I guess she worked with them, pled guilty to 64 financial crimes, but it sounds like she was complicit somewhat, at least perhaps helped in the murder of his parents. 
Yeah, and that's uh, he. I think he was more complicit in what had happened to his parents, and perhaps she only participated in the financial aspect afterwards. Is what it seemed like from some of the articles. He he alleg uh, he alleged James Jr. alleged that he suffered from sexual abuse by his parents, but the attorneys involved, you know, and the state attorneys involved said, you know, obviously that does not at all excuse what happened here, uh, but that was entered into uh, evidence at, at his plea hearing. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, I mean, it, of course, is not does not justify what he did, but it maybe gives a bit more context similar to the Menendez brothers. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it sounds like his girlfriend and he both faced what they did and, and there was not, you know, a trial or a denial of what happened. You know, they both pled out. Mm -hmm. So at least the remaining extended family who has already sad enough to lose two members of the family didn't have to be, you know, drugged through that, but it still does not bring them back. Yeah. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this final one is from Mindy, and the subject line is, Not my cats, asshole. Mindy writes, Hello, I love the podcast. I love your banter and friendship and hot takes. You're both amazing. So here's my story about how my cats were the victims of a brush with true crime. This has some background. My kitties, Selena, a black cat, my familiar, and Enigma, a silly tabby, an annoying little brother type, are old. My husband and I have had them for a very long time. Then we had children, and the cats are darlings with the kids, but my kids have inherited our allergies times 1,000, and the old cats spend most of their time hiding from the noisy babies. So we decided to build them, the cats, not the kids, an enclosed catio on our back patio out of our back door. My husband built it himself. The entire patio is their sanctuary now. They have a heated doghouse, cat tree, toys, beds, etc. They love it. It's right next to our dining room, and so they can safely watch the kids run around through the big windows without fear of the noisy humans. My husband made huge screened-in windows to the outside halfway up the wall so, in nice weather, they can stare outside, and when it's a little colder, we can pop the screens out and insert solid panels to keep the heat in. This is relevant, I promise. Picture our town. We live in a Midwestern tourist town. Think a Midwestern Stars Hollow. Very, very little crime. We lock our doors, of course, but nothing really ever happens here. Now, here's the rest of the backstory that begins our sordid tale. It was summer, 5.30 a.m., and my coworker was going to open the coffee shop that I work at. She was alone on the street. As she approached the building, she saw a man lying down in the alcove in front of the door. As she got closer... He rolled over and said, do you want to see my penis? That's exactly what he said. Of course, she did not want to see his penis, so she quickly went around the corner and called police to come and ask him to leave so she could go into the building safely. Before they got there, he had left. We do sometimes have an unhoused population in the summer, but they're not violent usually and are mostly locals. However, apparently this man was not a local and had been making people uncomfortable all summer long. A couple weeks later, I was sitting on my couch watching TV. It was a Monday night. The kids were asleep upstairs, and I wanted to watch grown-up shows. Christy will get it. It was around 11 p.m. My husband had fallen asleep on the other side of the sectional sofa. I heard the outside door to the catio shut. 
panic taking over, I screamed to my husband that the back door had been opened as I scrambled and slid into the dining room. My husband sleeps like the dead. Seriously, he can fall asleep anywhere, anytime, and it's hell to wake him up. He gets up to an alarm just fine, but trying to wake him up before he's been asleep for less than four hours is a nightmare. I flipped on the lights to the catio as he zombie shuffled out behind me, and I saw nothing. The outside door looked closed. The cats were fine. My husband walked past me to the bathroom, probably not even fully awake. But my black cat, Selena, was sitting by the bottom of the outside door and staring intently. I thought maybe a stray cat, a raccoon, or a possum had jumped in the door and scared us all. Selena wasn't moving, so I knocked on the window to get her attention, and she ran over to me at the window. That's when I saw that the door wasn't closed all the way. Again, I thought maybe we hadn't locked the door and the cats or an outside animal knocked it open. My babies are good babies and do not ever go outside, but I needed to get that door closed quickly, just in case. In hindsight, I probably should have waited for my husband to get done peeing and made him go check it out. He's a lot more physically intimidating than me, but I'll fight a raccoon if I have to for my cats. I'm little, but I might be able to take a raccoon. I yelled to my husband that the back door was open and I was going to go close it. He made a confused, sleepy grunt from the bathroom, and I unlocked our kitchen back door to the catio and went out there. Cats were fine. I closed and locked the outside door. Then I stayed out there to pet them and check everything out. That's when I noticed the screen in the window next to the back door was gone. Trying not to immediately jump to conclusions, I thought maybe it fell out? I opened the outside door to look for it on our stone patio, and it wasn't there. It was just gone. That's when I knew we had a break-in. I grabbed both of my fat cats under one arm, much to their chagrin, and ran into the house with them. My zombified husband was just now exiting the bathroom and was trying to make sense of my ramblings as I explained what was happening. He went outside and found our screen sitting propped against a different wall of our house. Break-in confirmed. He called the police, and they increased patrol around our house for a while, but there wasn't much else to do. We didn't have a camera back there. The really scary part is that whoever it was knew I was awake. All the lights were on, and because our back patio just faces a windowless wall of our neighbor's house and our back patio, we don't have curtains up. You can see our couch and TV from the back door. My coworker pointed out to me, that whoever it was could see me from the window on the door they were opening. They took time to pop the screen out and reach through and unlock the door. They probably only ran off when I yelled and my husband sat up from where he was sleeping on the other side of the sectional and they saw him. I couldn't sleep for days. I felt like I couldn't keep my children or my cats safe in their own home. My husband called into work the next day and worked on the catio so no one could pop the screens out from the outside and put up lattice halfway so they can't cut it to get to the door lock either. My best friend is a police officer who lives down the street, and she came over and checked our outside locks and the locks to the kitchen door. Yes, I do have multiple locks on every door. I listen to True Crime Podcast. But we failed with the window screens. Ugh. But the worst part. A couple days later, a young man was sitting in his house playing video games while his girlfriend and baby were asleep in the bedroom. He heard his back door open and went running into his kitchen to find the unhoused man who had been outside my workplace earlier that summer. This intruder had a gun and shot the homeowner in the shoulder. 
The homeowner was able to run away and get his girlfriend and baby under the bed while he barricaded them in the bedroom and called the police. The intruder was looking for money or prescriptions, I guess. He was arrested. The homeowner was okay, thankfully. How did this man get a gun, you might ask? Some fucking nitwit had his handgun sitting in his unlocked truck while he was drinking at a bar and his truck was broken into. I have no doubt that this man was the same one who tried breaking into my house. And had he had the gun, he wouldn't have run off when he saw my husband. So moral of the story is, if you're going to keep a handgun in your vehicle, lock it the fuck up and be responsible with your firearms. Otherwise, someone's loved one is going to die because you couldn't lock up your gun. I guess that's my hot take. I'm just grateful that everyone is okay. I'm going to make sure my husband takes me to a live show sometime in the future if you ever come near us. You both brighten my week. Mindy. Well, these are all of my worst fears combined into one story. Just sitting there and a home invasion is one of the scariest things. And I'll tell you, I see on next door quite a bit people's cars getting broken into and their guns getting stolen out of them when they're in their house asleep in the middle of the night. So, you know, responsible gun ownership. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that Mm -hmm. is uh, definitely something everyone should practice. Oh, absolutely. I I know an attorney who the line of work they're in, they feel more comfortable being a responsible concealed carry handgun owner and specifically in their car, like under the passenger seat is a, they keep it under there, but it's locked in there. I mean, could they steal your whole car and take it, whatever, but not leaving it in there just like overnight or like going to drink at a bar and it's sitting on the seat to where or someone your, knows your glove box to look at it. Yeah. Or even, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a place where people look because you just stuff like that. You got to have it like on your person or locked up because you just cannot be sure what mm-hmm. type of a, you know, someone pulling their dick out in front of this poor lady trying to open the coffee shop mm-hmm. and is just well, willing to bust into anybody's house, whether through the catio or through the uh, the screen door or back door or any of that. That's scary. But but I'm glad that your uh, your friend Mindy came over and helped, you know, kind of figure out where your weak points are. And you can hem those up if it's just mm-hmm. the catio. The catio windows got you. Yeah. Glad that the victim that was shot was able to survive that, too, and get his wife and baby to a safe place. That's all of it is just absolutely horrifying. So yeah, it's um, all of these stories, you know, just a good reminder that there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this world that is evil. However, there's a lot of overcoming that too. Yeah. And But at the same time, be aware of your surroundings. Know who your neighbors are. I mean, can you ever really know? I don't know. But just be aware of your surroundings. Be um, if you have that gut feeling, go with it. You know, Mm -hmm. don't don't be afraid to be impolite if you uh, or find yourself in a situation where you're uncomfortable. Oh, most definitely. And uh, and you know, it's a good reminder to kind of go, "Ah, oh, we live in a small town, it's no big deal. We'll just have the, you know, you lock your doors and you think, "Oh, I'm doing everything right, but uh don't blame yourself because you did as much as you could and then you can't stop what people are going to try." But yeah. uh, sometimes if people want if there's a you know, someone has strong enough desire to do something, they're going to figure out a way, even if you've put up 
all the measures possible to prevent it. Yes. And Mindy, on a lighter note, as the uh, also married to a person that wakes up for no reason, nothing ever, I uh, I really just sympathize with you because oh, I yeah. was, it was like two in the morning and I was working in my Yeti full of water that I forgot and left on the washing machine, which was running. And that's why I was up late to try to wait for the stuff out of the washer. And it didn't realize it had shook it. And so it just sounded like the sound of clattering metal and a crash. And my washing machine is right next to the garage door to get in. Mm -hmm. And Paris was just out like light. And I'm like, wake up, get the bath. And he's like, what are you saying to me? I was like, we're under attack. And he's like, what are you saying right now? And I was like, I'm going to fight him. And then that really woke him up because he was like, oh, God, she is going to fight him. Uh, but it's and then tough. He went into just a big puddle of water. Yeah, you know, it was to clean just my up. Yeti. But hey, shout out to the Yeti cup because it didn't break. But it's uh, it's tough when the the shit's going down and you're screaming and your husband's oh, yeah. like, what? Huh? What? Sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Tommy also sleeps through a lot, and even when he's awake. Sometimes <laughs> my urgency of a situation does not, you know, there was an incident. I was going to say, if we, we do like, a, as we say, uh, there's the bubbles at the end. If we have time for some bubbles, if you'd like to share well, what happened. If this is bubbles to you, then that's story, fine. This I, is, <laughs> yeah, for me, this is know. story number seven is submitted by Heather. And the title is. That time that I saw the timeline split in Christie's backyard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can start. Uh, well, last night we were on Christie's patio and <laughs> I was staring straight ahead. And those of you might know from a prior Freaky Friday story, there was a varmint incident, which to clarify for some of our non-Texan listeners, that is a Yosemite Sam type of a phrase for a usually a rodent or I'm going to be honest, it was like a rat. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the kind, the sewer rat, the kind that carry diseases. In I our hate even talking about this because I don't want people to think that we live in a disgusting <laughs> neighborhood where they're just no. running wild. No, not at all. I think what did it is your uh, a neighbor fairly adjacent to you all dug their entire yard up for... Uh, the piping, plumbing. whatever they mm -hmm. were like replacing their and plumbing. And when you see that much dirt piled up, you're like stuff, the ecosystem has been disrupted and they <laughs> run and that's not on you. And it's also not, it's been one or two over the course of a long time. It's not like, well, we opened up the shed and it was an God. infestation. Um, but I, you, since the last time you all have taken measures, which is, you know, traps and whatnot outside and, we had been partaking of the devil's lettuce um, <laughs> or something similar there too. You know, you're having a good time and time dilation occurs. And I look out, we're in the middle of talking about something. Honestly, it was show related. I can't remember what it was, but I'm looking straight ahead. Christy sits to my left. So I'm not making eye contact with her, but I do make eye contact with a little fuzzy gray, not friend. And it is, walking in slow circles and i thought for a moment that time had slowed down because <laughs> i know how quickly I've, two years ago april 2020 i hit my 
uh, attic, there was rats in my attic, mm-hmm. such that the man that was uh, up there seemed like he was scarred. Because when I asked him <laughs> in the garage, how'd it go? He was like, it was bad. I hate it. It was so bad. I said, how big was it? And he put his hand, what looked about like two feet long, which I was like, there's nah, no way. That's a nutria. Yeah. I was like, that's a capybara that's up there. <laughs> Don't I, kill those. Oh, no. an attic infested with capybaras is my dream. Yeah, that's a heaven. I know you're on a capybara kick recently, which <laughs> it's not at all triggering for me. It's fine. Whatever. Um, but he, yeah, he put his hands out like it was, you should have seen it. I was like, all right, you just, I'm going to pay you either way, man. Like right. you don't have to like, it's not a trout that you, that you caught. You're but not going to convince me. No. So, I mean, it, this is, it's not like we all live in rat infested sewers, but you know, there's woodland creatures around and they come where we live. So I see this thing last night and we make eye contact, but it was moving so slowly. And I, you know, in Saved by the Bell, when he's like, time out, and he looks at the camera, <laughs> I felt like I looked at my camera and I was like, do I tell Christy that I just saw a rat and upset and freak her out? Or do I have to hold this and then it will d- splinter and ruin our friendship because I have been carrying a lie that I <laughs> didn't tell her that I saw this in the backyard. So I saw uh, the conscious, whatever you want to call May it. May I head. interject yeah, please, my anytime. point of view at this time? Because we're talking and all of a sudden, you just go, oh, so oh. that sound. And you stop talking and you're just staring straight ahead. And you go, something's happening. Something's <laughs> happening. And I said, did you jump timelines again? Because you had a similar situation in my kitchen when you thought you jumped timelines and you came back and you're like, no, I still something's there. And I would go, what are you talking about? What is happening? And then I was as the moaning was going on from your perspective, that's when I was weighing my options. And then I heard a voice go, you have to tell the truth. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> and so I said, run, run for your life. You I did. Think Those, <laughs> that is the direct quote. You go run, run for your life. And I hit that fucking door i mean i don't know if i've ever well, you moved screamed, that fast babe 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 <laughs> i just got up and took off i come storming through the studio doors he's playing call of duty and i'm like babe babe you gotta come out here doesn't even turn around he's like what's going on i was like something's wrong heather there's something in the backyard he goes is it a person with a weapon i go i don't know heather's just freaking out (laughs) if you gotta come out here i'd be fighting him i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) and he was like okay after this game and meanwhile i can hear you in the backyard still going oh oh i can't look away i gotta keep my eyes on it so it doesn't run off and i'm like babe you've got to get up this is time sensitive he's like after this game i go no he goes god damn it and he he throws his headphones down and he gets up and he walks out there and i won't even go outside and i just know you two talking and then he comes back in and i go what are you doing? He's like, I'm getting a stone. Wait, and I was like, no. Oh, no. So he comes outside and he's out there. We're out there for a minute because you kept just yelling, what's happening? What's happening? <laughs> so when he initially came outside, I was, when I worked at Sea Dog on the boats, we were trained. If you saw anything in the water, whether it ranged from a dead body or a person who'd fallen overboard and needs help, anything like that, or de- like a debris that needed to be gotten by the Coast Guard that you called it in, you're supposed to stare at it and point at it. And that way, you always maintain contact with it and it doesn't get away because the currents are tricky in Lake Michigan. And so I was in your backyard standing alone going, I see it. It's there. And I was pointing at it. And it was way back to the back. Again, to clarify, 
your house is not infested with rats. This was like back at the back fence, like, you know, where the alleyway. There happened to be a light would be shining in that area. So it was, it was visible. It was meant to be. But yeah, so it's, <laughs> and it's shining like way back at the back, like where the back gate is. So it's good that it's well lit back there. Cause if it was a person with a weapon, we would have seen <laughs> that too. But it happened to be not a person with a weapon. But I was really thrown off by the fact that it was not moving very fast. This rat was not. And then. That's when Tommy grabbed a nearby cushion and subdued yeah. it. And was not happy that my yeah. cushion from a chair got used to do this. I but mean, we can Tommy recover goes, it. I had to incapacitate it. <laughs> he needed, he w- improvised with the weapons he had on hand. He incapacitated it. And then that's when he walked up towards me and said, I've got to get the stone. And I said, <laughs> the killing stone. And then he did. So I think what we did was we... Uh, provided a swift end to what would have been an otherwise quite painful death for this thing that I think had eaten some poison anyway. But I want to apologize to you publicly in front of everyone, (laughs) all of our friends here on the podcast, and say, I apologize that when I saw a pretty innocuous small mouse in your rat in your backyard that I screamed, run, run, (laughs) run for your life. (laughs) To where you dropped everything you had on you and ran inside. <laughs> so I um, hurtled an ottoman. Like I mean, I'm <laughs> no, I don't know that I've ever moved that fast in my you life. Left, you left. I but imagined because your your ridiculous your angst was increasing, and yeah. so I imagine it was running straight towards me, and at any second it was going to be on top of me. <laughs> no, quite the opposite. It was sort of walking in circles, kind of slowly, and then it kept walking further and further from the house. I think to like kind of go and find somewhere to die which was you know R.I.P. Tommy put it out of its misery before everyone gets upset Tommy did the humane thing he did the humane thing in hindsight it was good that you saw it so he could go out there and put it out of its misery as he walked towards me though I said do you want me to get the bucket with water and he's like no I don't (laughs) stop offering that you absolute weirdo and leave our house also I'm just kidding he would never yeah, it was um I just I had to stay I stayed inside the whole time. I, I know. told you I can't. I didn't even look. Like at some point in my brain recognized, oh, she's seen a rat. That's what's happening. And yeah. I couldn't even look over there because that's how much I can't handle it. Like I yeah. So therefore, I thought if I looked, it was just going to like leap on me. I thought that's how close it was. I didn't want to upset you, which is why I wanted to get you out of there. And I understand in retrospect, run, run, (laughs) run for your life should be, that's like if we're on an airplane and the slide is deployed on the ocean and we got to get out. Like, I don't need to yell that when there's a mouse like 30 feet away from where we are. Well, maybe you still do. You know me (laughs) well enough. But also- Then Tommy was like, yeah, I think it was dying. It was moving all weird. And you finally were like, okay, I thought I'd seen time slow down. So I'm glad that someone has validated that I didn't like break through the matrix. Yeah, I skipped a little bit because at the time it was moving slowly. I thought I was just perceiving it slowly and that it was moving time and regular fastness. (laughs) And I was like, I am seeing life in slow motion right now. And then later on, Tommy was like, oh, yeah, it wasn't moving that fast. That's how I should. That's how I was able to catch it. Like, I probably shouldn't have been able to catch that rat so easily. (laughs) So he's like, it wasn't moving very fast. And I was like, okay, there it is. I was not seeing the matrix. I was not seeing time in slow motion. I was in fact uh, just witnessing uh the chemicals take their take yeah. their effect but that was uh, again i apologize for saying run for your no, life I, i'll think better next time i you know you know i gotta get out of there if it's if there's even an inkling of one around i gotta get out of there so it's 
I don't know that it was dramatic. No, not it was kind of on par with how I react in those situations. <laughs> I, I felt like I might have um, amped you up a little bit more, but I, just for anybody who orders cameos from us, you know, that was shortly after we had done like five cameos. <laughs> so you're like, Merry Christmas. We love you. And we're like, oh, that was so much fun. We had a great time. And you're like, oh, I wonder what they do after that. That's what we do. Just stupid, just, <laughs> just silly wait, stuff. Shenanigans. into total shenanigans. It was where- like a cartoon. I just sit inside screaming to the outside, like, what's happening? Because yeah. I won't go out there, but I got to also know, like, what's going on? No, we came in and I was like, the threat has been neutralized. <laughs> so it's all set. We're square. Yeah. Everything is square. Hopefully and that's the end of it. That's the last of them. Yes. I can't handle another one. No. I mean, you've had two in your backyard, you know, away from the house. I had them in my roof. It sucked. Like in my well, attic. I it mean, was awful. So. you know. Those are the two we've seen. I don't even yeah. want to start thinking about what could be going on. I can't. I, I wouldn't sleep ever again. I'd have to move. I like to think if you hear scratching in the attic, it's a capybara. Just assume that. <laughs> well, we have it. I haven't heard any <laughs> so of that. Then you're fine. I think, uh, yeah, it's, you know, nature is going to do what nature's going to do. Homeowners are going to do what homeowners are going to do. And now I think your neighbor's construction is over with. So hopefully everybody can find their woodland homes. Let's all that go is back not, yes. to where we're most comfortable. And that is not my backyard. No. Please go find another place to live. You can't have your kids running up and being like, I got a new pet. And you're like, no. drop it. No. Or, yeah, Kate, pedal. Oh, yeah. Oh. What a yeah. time. Well, what, what a, a time. time indeed. Well, I hope that was enough of a bubble moment for everyone. Yes, <laughs> to, absolutely. To go forth after this freaky Friday uh, with a little bit more levity in your yes, day. at the end there. But thank you to everybody who sent their stories in today. These are... Uh, they they all told a different tale, and uh, and we appreciate you all taking time to to write them out to us. Absolutely. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of mini-sodes. Am I the asshole? Sinister confessions. Dear Sinister. Judge Christie. We've got so many fun segments that we do. True crime headlines on there. We have a recent or we have an upcoming very fun event too, Heather. Yes, on Tuesday, December 18th. If you're listening to uh, to this on Friday and it's before 2.30 Central, join us uh, on Friday, December 15th for our Q&A. We do a monthly Q&A over on Crowdcast. We're going to have the crew on the Q&A uh, help us choose a cheesy Hallmark movie, which on December 18th, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central on our YouTube channel, so it's free, open to everybody, uh, you can watch us as we snark on a movie. We will tell you what movie it is and where you can watch it, and then we will tell you when to press play. So you'll see us on our screen. You'll have your movie on, whether it's your TV screen or computer or whatever, and uh, syncing it up so you can chat with us in the chat. We'll all watch a movie together and make fun of it with one another. It's like uh, kind of like Mystery Science Theater 3000 meets Christmas. <laughs> We're so excited. And the Q&A on Friday, if you are listening in time, is at 2.30 Central, so we can accommodate our international listeners who, you know, 
that to them. And it's like dinner time. Yeah. So thanks for everybody who tunes in. And if you are uh, did not get to tune in live, you can still catch the replay of that Q&A as well as our past monthly Q&As, our past bonus content live streams, and so much more archival content. There's a mini-sode we just put up about a very uh, creepy uh, Halloween tradition Irish druid that has led to the traditions that we celebrate now in Halloween in America. Yeah, I say creepy. I mean heroic. Yeah, she's actually amazing. (laughs) But it explains why some of those creepy elements have snuck Mm -hmm. into American tradition. They're based on sort of this belief and practice uh, from ancient Ireland, which was very cool to learn about. So we got that and so much more. And whenever you sign up for a annual subscription to Patreon for yourself, or when you gift it as a friend, you pay for the 11 months, get the 12th month free, and you get to enjoy all of our fun content all year long. Absolutely. If you also need a different kind of a gift, go to SinisterHood.com and click shop in the top banner and stock up on all your hoodies, your crew necks, your long sleeve, uh, three-quarter length sleeve raglans. If you don't, it's not that cold, but you still want to be, you know, a little covered <laughs> up. We also have baseball hats, knit hats, water bottles, coffee mugs, stickers to stick wherever you want, all at SinisterHood.com. And then you know somebody opened up their stocking found a Sinisterhood sticker or a Sinisterhood mug, they would be tickled pink. Tickled pink. And if you're in the ruling, the airways are getting into it here, you get either 10% or 20% off the store all the time. So take advantage of that this holiday season when you're doing your shopping. Yeah, buy for someone else or treat yourself. You're like, I've been mm-hmm. doing, I'm putting these trees up. I wrapped a bunch of stuff. I deserve a new crew neck sweatshirt. Yes, you do. <laughs> and if you're uh, at one of those tiers, just get a discount on it too. Absolutely. While you're on our website, you can also review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode description. You'll also find fun things like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets when we have them. You can follow us on Instagram or threads at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Head over to our YouTube channel where we're now uploading video episodes. Uh, the, the video episodes on YouTube drop the Monday after the episode airs, but you can get them early and ad-free on Patreon. That's something else that we're adding over to our Patreon. On. And also check us out on TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. And if you want a custom video shout out of your own, maybe we'll record it in Christie's backyard, aka the scene of the crime. Chances so- are we will. That's <laughs> usually where they happen. <laughs> That's where they almost always happen. Yesterday, Christie came out with like two witches hats, a crown, <laughs> alien. Um, there's like little alien balls on the top of the head, and then Santa antlers and kind of a princess hat that we turned into a Santa hat. I forgot like- that my children have an entire costume bucket, and I went in there. I was like, oh, we got all sorts of stuff. So now, just know... We've got costumes to accommodate a lot of requests. Yeah, please let us know if you go to cameo.com slash Sinisterhood and order a personalized video shout out. You can put in there what you want us to do. So like Christy said, we have capes, wizard hats, crowns, all kinds of stuff. So let us know uh, in that request what you want us to do. We can say happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, happy birthday, uh, congratulations. We've been doing some congratulatory mm-hmm. ones, some pep talks and stuff recently. So any of that, cameo.com slash Sinisterhood. Where are you at, Christy? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? Pretty much everywhere at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister.